real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Uh, so nice to see you and uh, hear you again. Nice to see and hear you, J. Keith. It has been Thank you. A, a rough few weeks, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, we've been going through a lot. I mean, I know we're a comedy show, but we also uh, deal in facts and deal right. in uh, what's going on. Um, I, we live I, in I, the world. We do live in the world. there's a lot of drama going on in the world right now. Yeah, uh, some of that drama actually came very close to home, literally, because uh, the first protests uh, in LA for the Black Lives Matter movement uh, to try to get justice for George Floyd uh, happened literally a couple blocks from me. First, I, went, I actually went to one of those demonstrations and was, was doing the march. And then when things started to get violent and crazy, it was literally on my street corner. So I was seeing, you know, probably 50 cop cars going with full sirens and, and mm. right down my street and rubber bullets being shot while I was out on the corner. I know this movement is not about me, but uh, it, 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 it certainly is something that affects me as it affects everybody. So we certainly want to acknowledge what's going on. Um, Helen, what's been your experience like this week? I am really encouraged by how many people are taking action um, mm -hmm. in regards to the Black Lives Movement. I, I'm really encouraged by that. I went to a huge protest over the weekend that sort of took over all of Hollywood. And I guess the la the latest number I saw was like 50,000 people. And it was massive. I mean, there were like overhead drones, footage from overhead drones, and like literally the entirety of Hollywood Boulevard mm. for like a mile, it seemed like, was packed with people. And, you know, it's a little concerning because we are still going through the coronavirus crisis and there was no social distancing at all. Mm. But I masked up. I double masked, actually. <laughs> I went out there with a backpack full of water and was pleased to see there were tons of volunteers there giving away water. They were giving yeah. away ICs. They were giving away Go-Gurts. Go-Gurts? <laughs> Go-Gurts. That's like, the yogurt on the go. <laughs> little pouches of applesauce. And I was like, yeah. oh. So um, I, it's interesting to see how much the media is not covering the peaceful, you know, how peaceful right. these protests can be. And only, you know, obviously with, with news, it, if it bleeds, it leads. And so... Yeah. They're only yeah, I was, focusing. I was very sad to, to see that was my experience as well, that every everything was totally peaceful and then the cops showed up. Yeah. And, you know, I know that's not the case everywhere and I know we're not going to, you know, un, untangle and uh, everything in this conversation in a podcast. And I, don't, I certainly don't want to minimize what's going on, but we certainly did want to uh, acknowledge that and yeah. encourage people to get involved. I'm really happy to be part of the Maximum Fund family because we are a, a, just a really you know, socially conscious group as a whole, I would say. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy that, you know, we're all, uh, you know, encouraged. I'm encouraged by yeah. the sort of like the, you know, there's, it, it seems like there's progress being made in fits and starts, but at least there's progress being made. And I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that this is an issue that's coming to the forefront because it's, yeah. been, it's been needing to. So. Absolutely. Uh, well, if you'll pardon my uh, odd segue, 
Today on Go Fact Yourself, two <laughs> guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guests. Helen, who was up first? She is a Golden Globe winning actor, writer, producer, and songwriter who co-created and starred in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's Rachel Bloom! Rachel Bloom! Hello, Rachel. Are you there? So wonderful Hi. to see you. I'm here. You are it's here. It's so wonderful to see you. You too. And uh, you had a little, you had a special guest with you a little bit uh, earlier. Who, who was that that I saw? Oh, I was breastfeeding my daughter as we were uh, sound checking. And so she was kind of like, it was like a great gag where you wouldn't have known there was a baby under and then she just kind of whoop yep. came up. That is exactly the sound that she made too, which was a bit concerning. She went whoop. Yep, she really, she did. Uh, how, how old is your daughter? She is 11 weeks. Wow. wow. That is so She's great. 11 weeks exactly today. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while because I, I am a legit Crazy Ex-Girlfriend fan. I watched every episode. I went to your SAG Foundation uh, screening and talk. Oh, my God. I went to your live taping of uh, uh, Downtown when you did the uh, the live episode. And I thought I was a fan, but then I saw those fans oh, in, in, oh. the, in the various costumes and answering obscure trivia about it. Were there any fans that have, have stood out to you uh, over the time that you, that you did the show and did the tour? The number of people who've said, well, first of all, that they identify with my character, because 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 the show, if you don't know, addresses mental health so much. Mm-hmm. There there are so many fans who've in just like fan meet and greets confided, you know, I I've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, or I had a suicide attempt, and and then my father was dying of cancer, and he and I watched your show for mm-hmm. comfort, and and that always meant so much. And then I have to say, like when my daughter was born a couple months ago it was the height of i mean still is the height of covid but it was really like the height of covid and she was in the nicu and my friend uh adam schlesinger was in the hospital with covid and he died um and i gotta say the thing that got me through like the first two weeks of her life between my friend dying and her being in the nicu and and the world being in a pandemic was media Mm. funny podcasts I, I dug out like funny books that I'd read and then I watched a ton of, of movies and shows. I watched the movie Look Who's Talking. I just binged a bunch of stuff from, you know, silly movies from the 80s about mm-hmm. babies. And if it weren't for things that made me laugh and made me escape, mm. I wouldn't have coped a 16th as well. I mean, a hundredth as well as I did. And so people saying watching your show got me through a hard time. It always meant a lot. Mm-hmm. It really, it means that much more now that I actively used media to self-soothe in probably the most intense time of my life. Wow. I'll say uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is representing a hot Asian guy as the love interest. (laughs) Which, you know, which you kind of, even today in 2020, you rarely see, like, the Asian guy as, like, the babe or the hot, unattainable fantasy man in most of fiction. And so, you know, when that show came out and I was like, oh, my God, the Asian guy is, like, the hot guy that she's chasing. It was just so exciting. And and thank you for doing that. Um, my pleasure, and I will send you some of these audition tapes because I will say, <laughs> so Vin, so Vincent Rodriguez the third, he just like knocked it out of yeah. the park. I mean, he was she was Josh Chan the second he stepped into that audition. But I gotta say, like they sent in some models mm. too to audition. Like the amount of hot Asian guys <laughs> who auditioned, anyone who's they should be in every show, yeah. and all over television because oh. there are. A stunning amount 
as I always knew. Agreed. But really, it's like, oh my God, where are these guys? Just guys who are I would like, you could be an A-list celebrity. You could be an A-list mm. celebrity. Mm-hmm. You're all so attractive. Yeah, it's a subgenre that a lot of people sleep on. Hags. Hot Asian guys. <laughs> Hags. Mm. They're out there and they are delicious. Uh, yes. Rachel, of course, you were a very well-known fan of Broadway. You, one of your first uh, short music videos was about wanting someone to watch the Tonys with you. What did it mean to you then to actually be able to be at the Tonys and be a backstage correspondent for a couple shows? It was amazing. I was as excited as I seemed on television. I was as <laughs> shrieky and fangirly. It was, it, that was my Comic-Con. Mm. It was so incredibly special and then I still, I still geek out around people. It is show tunes were the first music I listened to. It's mm-hmm. basically the primary li- music I listened to until I got to college. I still can't believe that I have an in into that world. Mm. Who did you share a dressing room with at uh, one of those shows? Oh, I shared a dressing room with Ms. Patty Lavone. <gasps> and I will say that later in the night, she switched out with Bernadette Peters. <laughs> what? Yep. There was an understudy in your, or there was a replacement oh cast for your dressing room. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, Patty and I got very intimate. We, I, we, we saw each other, well, at least I saw Patty uh, buck naked. And it wow. was, uh, and it was an honor. <laughs> it was an absolute honor. But, but the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Patty and then I've also have become friends and friendly with Bernadette, the two of them together, that, I mean, wow. Idol doesn't even begin to. Wow. I can only imagine. Well, it's wonderful to meet you. It's wonderful to talk with you. It's wonderful to have you on the show. You are, in fact, Rachel Bloom. And Helen, against whom will Rachel be competing tonight? He is an actor, author, and comedian who stars in The Proud Family on Disney+, Plus. was a cast member on In Living Color, and is the author of the book Living in Color. It's Tommy Davidson. Hello, Tommy Davidson. Yeah, man. <laughs> Indeed. Hi, Tommy. Yeah, how's everybody doing? I just... I'm, just glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Ready, ready to launch this thing off. Um, I'm not. I'm still not used to hearing Arthur. I see. Yes, yes. This is a this is a new venture for you. Uh, the full title is Living in Color. What's funny about me? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that's funny about you, in the way that it's peculiar, not haha, uh, was your your early life. How you were uh-huh. left by one family and and picked up by another. Can you tell us briefly that story? It almost seems like a movie or something. Mm. You know, I was abandoned in the trash in 1966, <gasps> and the woman that found me. She found me random. <gasps> oh, my God. She was walking by this pile, and there was a tire on top of it. <gasps> and she said, something told me to look under this tire. And she said, when I looked under the tire, your foot was sticking out of the trash. <gasps> no. And she said, so I dug you out of there. You had been starved. You oh. were unconscious. <gasps> and um, I was taken to the hospital by her and her husband at the time. And I was there for 90 days. They didn't think I was going to live. <gasps> I moved, and it happened in Greenville, Mississippi in 1966, you know. And I moved from there with my brother and sister, who are now my brother and sister, and her and her husband to Fort Collins, Colorado, and Laramie, Wyoming, where I grew up. And so it all started there. Wow. Oh my God. I call it, that's why I call it Living in Color, mm-hmm. because they're white, you know? Yeah. So for me to end up on a show called In Living Color. Yeah. You waited this long to write a book about that? <laughs> hey, know, it took this long. That is oh cra- that is an, uh, that is a crazy story, Tommy. I never knew yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, so you can And then you grew uh, up in very white neighborhoods cuz if you went to Colorado mm-hmm. and Wyoming, I mean Oh, I, I you know, I was a Midwest boy up until 5, you know, I all of, you know, meadows, streams, lakes, farms, 
you know, horses. I rode horses. You know, I'm a, I'm a Midwest boy, you know, from mm-hmm. Wyoming and Colorado. But these two broke up and got divorced and we moved to Washington, D.C. Mm. Oh. So I, and, and so we and we moved in during the riots. <gasps> so when we came into town, like my brother looks like David Cassidy. My sister looks like Cindy Brady. <laughs> We ride into Washington, D.C. There's fires everywhere. It's like the other night. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tommy, I have to get your book because you've been talking for like five minutes and I'm crying. And I can't imagine how good your book is. That is everything you, you like everything it. that you said was like I hope you heartbreaking like it, yeah. and stunning. And oh, my God. Yeah. I, I do want to ask you about In Living Color, if you'll pardon the awkward transition. Okay, okay, okay. That also was a very diverse and very multicultural uh, show. Well, I read an interview that you said at the time when, when you found out the show was, was greenlit, you were particularly excited because uh, you said we were going to change the world. Uh, oh, we knew it. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about that, about, about that feeling and, and how, how you saw that it did change the world. Well, what happened was the way they casted that is they took all the best comics and improv artists, even from Chicago, Takiya Crystal Kivar is from Chicago, Kelly uh, uh, Caulfield is from Chicago, from Second City. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know of each other. Me and Jim were, were friends before. That's Jim Carrey you're talking about. Yeah, Jim Carrey were friends before, me and David Allen Greer. We were all in the comedy circuit at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we made a name in that room. You know, so Roseanne before she got Roseanne. Seinfeld before he got Seinfeld. Tom Hanks, stand up. Mm. Michael Keaton, stand up. We came out of that and ended up on a show mm. where we all could do what we do mm-hmm. so Keenan was like um like uh, Professor Xavier you know mm-hmm. he just got all <laughs> these comedy mutants together man and I remember I remember when we walked when we walked in the room we didn't know who made the show you know mm. and I walked in the room and I saw Jim and we just looked at each other and started laughing man we were rolling on the floor we said if we ever get a hold of this audience it's over mm. you know what I mean absolutely so we were already fired up and then we did a wonderful pilot you know, we did uh, the Wrath of Farrakhan, you know, where we did the Star Trek thing. We knew nobody was doing that stuff. Mm. Right. But the one thing that all of us knew unilaterally is that we are a product of our American environment, our American cultural environment. We're black and, and, and Kelly Coffey is white, but we all love Lucy. <laughs> you know, we all love our other little rascals. We all love Archie Bunker mm-hmm. and George Jefferson. We all love Planet of the Apes. We all love, mm-hmm. you know... We were, we were born in the same stuff. Good kind of a common language, a common reference point. Exactly. And what that showed, what that showed to America was that we do laugh at the same things because we are one thing. People were saying, oh, it's a black show that came along. No, it's a primarily black cast mm-hmm. that came along. But Carol Burnett is an all-white cast. And you can't tell a black person that they care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, I want to ask you very briefly about uh, Proud Family. There's a, there's a reboot mm-hmm. that's going to be coming on uh, Disney+. Plus. You play Oscar Proud. It's a very distinct voice. I, I, I would wonder, is that hard on your, on your voice, on your vocal cords to do that voice? As long as I don't sing a day after it. Oh, okay. Can, I need about two days. And for those who haven't heard, can you can you? I got us, a little script here, you know. Oh, is that right? Can you give us a little? Oh, my God. Everything you just said, Randall. My brother, my homie. We exactly... What you see in the crib. <laughs> oh, no. No, wait, no. I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, it's, a, it, it's wonderful to hear a little snippet of that, and it's wonderful to have Mr. Tommy Davidson. Uh, all right, Rachel and Tommy, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Rachel, you said you know a lot about the TV show Frasier, Disney musicals, and breastfeeding. 
which again we've we've seen evidence of. Whereas Tommy, you said you know a lot about black exploitation films, the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the history of ancient Egypt. Later we'll on, we'll see about that. We one. will see about one of those for sure. <laughs> Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our "What's the Difference" round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today: going out. Remember that? First up is Rachel. Rachel, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It is from Hunter Ellen Bass of Seattle, Washington. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Hunter. Rachel, in the topic of going out, they both are ways stuff goes out of your body, but what is the difference between secretion and excretion? Secretion and excretion. Can I say for the record, Jay Keith? Yes. Ew. Ew. Yes, yes, you can. The record is noted. <laughs> I'm going to guess that secretion is through your pores and excretion is through your orifices. Through your orifices. Uh, all right, we've got uh, Rachel's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Tommy, what do you think? Well, secretion is it's forced. It's forced, okay. It's made to happen. Right. The other one happens naturally. Okay. Excretion just happens naturally. Oh, and, and when it does, it's lovely. All right. Well, <laughs> this uh, this segment is grossing everyone out. I got that right. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. <laughs> Here are the facts. Secretion involves a substance going from one area to another, usually for a useful purpose, but staying within the same organism. Things like adrenaline, stomach acid, enzymes, and hormones all move around inside the body. Body through the process of secretion. Excretion involves a substance going from one area to another, but leaving the organism altogether, usually carrying waste. Things like sweat, tears, and poop leave the body entirely through excretion. And again, Jay Keith. Yes. Gross. It is gross. Mm. Uh, although I will say Sweat, Tears, and Poop, my favorite funk band from the 70s. Uh, <laughs> that's right, by the way, some, th some things can be both. Like saliva is generally a secretion because it stays in the body. But if you spit it out, mm. it becomes an excretion. And you really shouldn't spit it out, especially these days, because hopefully we're wearing a mask. Helen, how did they do in that round? I'm going to say neither one of you got any points on that. I'm going to yeah. agree with that. No! No, no points. Yeah. Sorry there, Tommy. I'm say zero and zero. Zero and zero. All right, up next, though, in going out is Tommy. Tommy, you often use them if you are going out, but what is the difference between a door frame and a door jam? A door frame and a door jam. A door frame is the actual perimeter of the actual door. Tommy is a drawing okay. uh, a, right. a, a right. rectangle with his fingers. Right. Okay. A door jam is that sort of like a pulley. Sort of like a pulley. The, Tommy, Tommy is now holding up two fists and, and <laughs> yeah. bringing them back and forth. Yeah. It's sort of the thing, and it goes like, like when you go through it, it, it helps regulate the door. Helps to regulate the door. All right, we have Tommy's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Rachel, what do you think? You don't? <laughs> we don't yet. I'm going to agree. Okay. Interesting strategy. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> all right. Well, this segment is becoming unhinged. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A door frame is the four sides that make up a doorway. The top horizontal part is the head or the header. The bottom is the sill, which can also just be the floor. And the left and right vertical parts are the door jams. They oh. include the hinges on one side and the plate for the bolt on the other side. Uh, that's right. Okay. Another difference okay. is that a door frame has a silent E and a door jam has the very rare silent B. Uh, I, By the way, I never use words with a silent B because they're dumb. <laughs> Helen, how did <laughs> our guests do? 
Uh, I think I'm going to give Tommy one point because you did say frame is the perimeter of the actual door. All right, one point for Tommy. Okay. And what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Rachel Bloom has zero points, and Tommy Davidson has one point. Has one. That's okay. Right, okay. But those okay. scores okay. are. I'll go with that. I, I'll go with that. <laughs> I hope you will because that is exactly what is happening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those scores are bound to change when we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Factor Zell. You wept as we crafted the tragic tale of Jar Jar, a Star Wars story. Yeah. Dude, like he forgives Darth Vader. <laughs> Misa still love you, Annie. <laughs> you gasped out loud at the shocking twists of Face Off 2. Faces wild. He takes his kid's face. What? <laughs> We're writing an entire screenplay week by week on Storybricks Season 2, Heaven Heist. Hey folks, Freddie Wong here with some exciting news about Story Break, the writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have one hour to spin cinematic gold. We're shaking up our format by turning Heaven Heist, one of our favorite ideas we've ever come up with on the show, into a full screenplay. Heaven Heist is an action comedy about a crew of misfit gangsters robbing the celestial bank of heaven. Think of Coco meets Point Break. Join us as we write this crazy movie scene by scene and get an inside look at the screenwriting process on our podcast Story Break every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Rachel Bloom with zero points and Tommy Davidson with one point. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Rachel, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show Frasier, Disney musicals, and breastfeeding. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about the TV show Frasier. Yeah, um, Frasier is my go-to show to watch. I've seen every episode. Uh, I saw every episode when I was growing up. Uh, my mom would tape every TV show from the week on the same VHS, and so we'd watch every show on the VHS, and that included Frasier. And then it is now my go-to show to watch when I'm on tour in hotel rooms because it makes me feel like I am at home. Oh, that's Aww. really lovely. Yeah. Uh, do, do, you have a, do you have a favorite episode or favorite moment from the show? I gotta say, I think it's the last season. There's an episode where Frasier and Niles want to get into a spa and they keep <laughs> wanting to get into the better parts of the spa until they think they've gotten into the best part of the spa, which is through this platinum door. <laughs> but it's just uh, the doorway into the alley where the dumpster <laughs> is. And it's just like such a wonderful a tight story. <laughs> Did they get locked out? They do get locked out and they're uh, Frasier's in a robe and Niles is, I believe, wrapped up like a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right, you also said you know a lot about Disney musicals. Yeah, I mean, I was raised on Disney musicals. I grew up being obsessed with everything Disney. I used to be able to recite the entire movie Beauty and the Beast uh, from start to finish, like, by heart. Wow. Oh my every God. line, every line, <gasps> every everything, and yeah, because you had watched it like a dozen. I watched it so many times, and then I would, I would uh, tell my parents, "I'm going to go downstairs and put on a show," and I would uh, literally act out all of Beauty and the Beast as Belle <gasps> singing along to the soundtrack, and then doing the lines in between. Wow. Wow. And I was an only child, so no one watched. <laughs> can, you, can you? I don't believe her. She got to do a couple of bars, man. Searching as the sun. <laughs> Rising in the east. Taylor's wow. old as time. I can do it. It's like go the ahead, credits. Go ahead, go ahead, go <laughs> So is old as right. Beauty and the beast. What? Oh, my God. It's just harmonized. I can't. I have to say, when I first booked Rachel Bloom and Tommy Davidson on this show, I thought, gee, I hope they sing a duet from Beauty and the Beast together. Yes. <laughs> and it happened. Yeah. It's very, very wow. exciting. from the East. Wow. Beautiful. All right, next, Rachel. Finally, you said you know a lot about breastfeeding. I've been doing it a lot for the past two and a half months. 
I just popped a baby out, and man, she is hungry. Hungry. <laughs> she's just not getting to the point where she can grab things, so she's grabbing the loose skin around my breast like it's uh, her own, like, maraca. <laughs> Yeah, you know, some women have trouble breastfeeding. Did you ever, did you have trouble, Rachel, or did you just... I was very blessed that it has been a quite a smooth process. Um, but I myself was a formula baby, so I mm-hmm. went into this open to anything. And what's, what's been different about it than you had thought going into it? It's actually more relaxing than I thought it would be. I mm-hmm. thought it would hurt every time, and it, it doesn't. It, it, just how how commonplace it is to suddenly for my body to be making food. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Question. Yeah. Yes. Why didn't you choose to pump? Well, I sometimes do pump. Okay. Okay. Do you think the connection between you and the child is, is, is more innate when if the child physically breastfeeds? As opposed to pump? Oh, no, no, no. I just, I'm home all the time. Like, I'm quarantined. <laughs> so so there'd be, there's no reason for me. If I was out of the house, I'd be pumping. Yeah. Um, but I got nothing else. So kind I'm of, just home. Kind of a convenient time to be a new I'm mom. I'm just home. Might as well. Uh, I, yeah, it, it, I it hope is. that every time you do it, you look at your husband and go, you're doing the laundry and the dishes for the rest of our freaking <laughs> lives. I have to say, <laughs> because <laughs> you cannot do this, baby. I gotta say, like, it's not conducive to comedy, but uh, my husband is so incredibly wonderful. He's been working so hard when we came back from the hospital. He sanitized everything. He's been, I never have good, like, stand-up, like, the old ball and shade. My lazy husband is, my husband is, is a true, like, angel on earth. Aww. All right, Rachel, so to summarize, you told us you know a lot about the TV show Frasier, Disney musicals, and breastfeeding. Yeah. Tonight, we want to quiz you about... <gasps> Disney musicals. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here we go. You said Beauty and the Beast was one that influenced you a lot. Would you say, though, that's your favorite of the uh, genre? Oh, I, it's really, really hard for me to choose because they're all so wildly dis- so different. Good, and yeah. they all and they all have, like, really good. I can't choose a favorite. Okay. I won't ask you to. <laughs> yeah. It's like asking you to choose a favorite them. child, even though you only have one. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I would say the, the way that the visuals, the way that I – because I also – you know, had, had, was one of the songwriters, but I was also, I scripted every song on that show. Mm-hmm. And the way that I script songs is very much influenced by animated musical numbers where yeah. anything can happen and you, you cut to the joke, you cut to the visual because there, there is no limit to what you can show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, really influenced like editing and writing wise by the Disney musicals. Did you ever have a scene where you were like, we need a bird to come in and fix my uh- hair? Oh, and fix my hat. There is, well, there is a Disney princess number in season two, and we have people dressed as birds uh, come in and sing backup. Yay! And, and then, then you actually yeah. had Leia Salonga on the show doing a very Disney-inspired number also. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, that was heaven. Did you dress like a d- Disney princess like every single Halloween? Was that your thing? A lot. I bell, My bell dress was very important to me, and that remained a mainstay in my, um, in my dress-up box as well. Aww. Uh, that's lovely. All right, Rachel. Well, let's see how you do on this quiz. Here's your first question okay. about Disney musicals. By the way, Tommy, please do listen closely because if Rachel answers incorrectly, you can steal. Tommy, by the way, how much do you know about Disney musicals? I I know a lot of the songs mm-hmm. and I, from way back. And the harmonies so, that we've learned as well. There's the new ones and then there's the old ones. You right. know what I mean? So I, I know mostly the old ones like Chitty Bang Bang and, 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 and Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, actually, I don't know if Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was considered a Disney wasn't? musical. No, I'm not sure, but perhaps well, that'll come up experts. in the quiz. Uh, all right. Well, here you go, uh, Rachel. Here's question number one. Several songs from Disney movie musicals have won the Oscar for best song, but the first one to do it was from 1940s Pinocchio and was sung by Jiminy Cricket. What was this wonderful song? Probably When You Wish Upon a Star. 
Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It is When You Wish Upon a Star. Fun fact, it is used, of course, as the background music when the Walt Disney Pictures logo appears on screen before a movie. It is also the main horn signal on all Disney cruise ships. Wow, wow really? That, that's, a, that's a fun fact. <laughs> that is yeah. very fun. They are so good at branding. <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard that about Disney. When they come into the harbor, you hear... Is it like that? Not That sounded like Louis Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to sound like a horn. Oh, that was lovely. (laughs) All right. Question number two for Rachel. What composer has won eight Oscars for his music for Disney musicals, including The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Pocahontas? Now we're talking about Mr. Alan Menken. Helen? Whoa! I'm no match for her. That is... Correct. Yes, that is correct. Very good. He has eight Oscars, which are the most for any living person. As he should. Indeed. Have, have you had a chance to cross paths with Mr. Mencken? I've never met Alan Mencken. I'm such a fan. That's He's lovely. He's a genius. Uh, all right. You're doing very well. Let's see how you do on question number three. What stage musical produced by Disney Theatrical Productions and based on a Disney animated film has yet to make it to Broadway, but has toured extensively and is one of the longest running shows in Berlin? Can I steal oh. it? Not, uh, only if she gets it wrong. Rachel's going to get Dog it first chance. It. I want it now. Oh, it hasn't been on Broadway, though. It has not. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. You yeah, might want to save it for I'll later. I'll use the hint for this one. Helen, how about that first hint? In the successful German show, the title character is called the Glockner. Glockner shares the root Glock with the word Glockenspiel. <laughs> Right, of course. <laughs> yes. Who is someone in the Disney universe who might have uh, wrong a glockenspiel or something similar? Wait, it's a root word. Okay, it's glock. What? And the title character is is called. Mm-hmm. It's Glockner. called the Glockner. Oh, oh, Bambi. Helen, is it Bambi? It is not Bambi. No, I'm terribly sorry, Tommy. The chance to steal. You were pretty confident that you had it, Tommy. What do you think? That's easy, man. Okay, that'd be Beauty and the Beast. Helen. Nope. No, sorry, it was not so easy. Not so easy. Not so easy. No, we were actually looking for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Wait, I was going to say that. I was going to say that because Vincent Rodriguez, who was on my show, was in Mm -hmm. it, but I didn't know it toured extensively. I thought it was just at La Jolla Playhouse and Paper Mill. Well, it's been extensively, at least in Europe, one of the longest running shows uh, in Berlin. The actual... I had no idea. I I ruled it out. I ruled it out immediately because I thought it was a short run because I saw it at the La Jolla Playhouse. Of course you did. Uh, that actually is where I saw Freaky Friday the musical. <laughs> the oh, right. the, We're not the, that different. The We're character so different. wasn't called Glockner in the La Jolla Playhouse, yeah. wasn't <laughs> uh, Fun fact, the German title actually is Der Glockner von Notre Dame. Glockner means literally bell ringer. All right, let's wow. see if we can bounce back with question number four. The Lion King is the highest grossing show in Broadway history, playing over 9,000 performances so far and winning two Tony Awards for its director and costume designer, Julie Taymor, the first woman ever to get a Tony for Best Director. Name one of the two theaters where the Lion King has had its incredible Broadway run. Well, it's not this... Okay, there's the Ziegfeld, the New Amsterdam, the Booth, the Sondheim. Radio City Music Hall's not that. I'm gonna say the, the New Amsterdam. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Oh, the New Amsterdam. oh my God. Great. Very well done. The other one is the Minskoff. Right. Fun fact, the New Amsterdam is actually the oldest Broadway house in operation. It is owned by the city of New York and is operated by Disney as part of a 99-year lease. Ooh. 
very very good 99 99 wow. years yeah. yes they've uh, they started in 93 and uh, they got a long time to go wow all right here is question number five this is going to be tricky but uh, you do still have a hint available so let's see if you need it on oh this. good to know sometimes a lot of talent isn't enough to make a musical a success what 1962 movie had songs by the sherman brothers of the jungle book starred disney icon Haley mills was directed by robert stevenson who directed mary poppins and based on a novel by jules verne yet still managed to be almost completely forgotten as a disney musical wow music by the sherman brothers Haley mills so it's not the parent trap because it's forgotten mm-hmm. so it's live action would um, you like to use that second hint yeah i love the hint helen how about that second hint Playing off its title, film critic Leonard Maltin once called it In Search of a Story, which might explain why it is so little remembered. Mm. In Search search of a Story. Well, it's In Search of, clearly. Mm -hmm. So it's probably, I'll say, In Search of the Little Fish That Could. Helen, is it in search of the little fish that could? It is not. No, but I would see that movie. In fact, I think I did called Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah uh, that's just Finding Nemo. <laughs> that what is that, it? Tommy, you have a chance to steal. Oh. The Music Man? Helen, is it The Music Man? It is not The Music Man. No, uh, Rachel, you're on the right track by using the clue. It is actually called In Search of the Castaways. In Search of the Castaways. That was wow. a number five question. That is very difficult. That's so a hard you one. did quite well in that round. But now it is time for your expert level question mm. that requires multiple answers. Oh my God. It is time for your cluster fact. Okay. Thank you so much for our listeners who submitted their ooh to Brandon J. Carr, who edited that wonderful sound effect together. All right, Rachel, here's your question. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Disney has opened several musicals on Broadway since The Lion King, with the most recent being Frozen. But it wasn't just the movie version on stage. For up to three points, name one of the songs that is in the movie that is not in the Broadway production. Name one song that was not in the movie that is in the Broadway production. And name one of the two Grammy and Oscar winning songwriters who wrote the music and lyrics. Okay, sorry, can I use a pen? You can, yes. The first one was in in the movie that's not in the Broadway show. Right. Then the other is flipped. What was name, name one song that was in the Broadway show but uh-huh, not in the movie? Uh-huh, uh-huh, and then and name one of the uh, songwriting team who wrote the music and lyrics. In the movie, not in the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Did you have you seen the Broadway show? Yes, I have. Excellent. Okay. Okay, I think I have it. All right. All right, I'm going to guess. The first okay. one, I don't know the name, but I think it's the Norwegian like I think it's that. That's, That's not the in the that Broadway show. Not in the Broadway show. Uh, Helen, it, are you, it, Helen, are you writing that down? <laughs> it's and it's not called Frozen Heart because that's that's the opening number with the men. It's called dot dot dot. It's but it's called like Song of the Ice Time. Song of the Ice Time. You can time? do it. No, she can do it. She can <laughs> no, do it. No, I absolutely can't. But I, okay. I, I, if I'm gonna guess. That's yes. a song that's not in the Broadway show, and that's different from Frozen right. Heart, which is the song sung by the Ice Pickers. Okay. Uh, the second one, a song that is in the Broadway show that is not mm-hmm. in the movie, is called Huga, and I believe it is the Act Two opener, and I found okay. it delightful. Okay. And third yeah. is uh, uh, Robert Lopez, of course. Robert, and I just say extra point, uh, Robert and Kristen Anderson Lopez. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is the Grammy and Oscar winning songwriting team who wrote Frozen and Frozen You're 2. Oh my me. God! It's Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Oh my God! Kristen Hello. and Robert, there you are. Hey, Rachel. Hey. Rachel, can you see them? I see them. Hi. 
Hey. We're really sorry not to be Alan uh, that He took my joke. I said oh we first had to apologize. I'm so glad that you guys did Oh my God, I wish we were Alan Menken right now. It'd be so exciting for Rachel to meet Alan. You know how much I love, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't think we've ever met in person, but I've talked, I've at least talked to Robert online, but like, oh my gosh. Well, I actually asked when we were thrilled to find out that we that Kristen and Robert would be joining us. I asked if they had met you, and Robert said he didn't think they'd met you, but he had sent you a fan letter. I well, I mean, the the feeling is obviously mutual, and the only reason I hadn't sent a fan letter first is like I'm like they're so busy. Oh, Not right it. now. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh my God! Thank you for doing this. Wait, are your your kids are asleep? I assume they're asleep. Actually, we're probably waking them up right now. Oh. Uh, well, thank you for staying up late with us. I know you're not night owls, and uh, you're, you're calling so in from the cool. east coast. Thank it you is. for doing this. This is that awesome. Is incredible, guys. I'm kind of I'm... wishing that you would pick breastfeeding, though, because I know a lot about that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have been an expert for for more than one category. Give her a question. I'm now trying. Oh, what's the best? Actually, I have a question for you. Is what's the best nursing pillow to get? Also, get some uh, typing done because I'm trying to, you know, do oh, it. At- you want the flat one? I think you want the my breast friend. Okay, that's what I have. Great. I'm glad that I have. I'm glad that I have the, the best one. I you have know, one of those. <laughs> you know, I had a series of questions I wanted to ask you too, but I'm just enjoying the two of you uh, talking about breastfeeding. I'm. I don't have any children, and I am my own breast friend. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's a different musical for our listeners. Uh, in addition to, to the Frozen movies and the show, Bobby, uh, you've had great acclaim on Broadway uh, as a contributor to Avenue Q and Book of Mormon. Kristen, you were on Broadway with In Transit. Uh, you both have won Oscars not just for Frozen, but for the song you wrote for the movie Coco. Uh, uh, it, oh. it's, it, there, there's, there, there's so much to talk about, but first I, wanted, I just want to ask, how, how do you two work together, and uh, is, there, is there a separation between your, your work life and your married life? Are you always kind of coming up with stuff together? Ha, <laughs> um, especially in quarantine right now. There's no There's separation. No separation, at all. No separation. Ever. okay. Um, vodka helps um, at the end of the day <laughs> to, to try and um, Amen. <laughs> try and just take off the work hat and sure. be like, now we're married. <laughs> so, so, in, so, uh, so in your private nighttime uh, bedroom, you're not looking to rhyme. Oh man, oh. I think she is. She she writes in the shower, but oh, really? I try to turn my brain off as soon as I hit the pillow. Like I just don't want to. I don't want to think about anything. You flatline. He's made that very clear. <laughs> Nighttime is downtime. Okay. Um, but mm. every once in a while, I still will turn to him, pull out my earplugs, and say, Bye. Bye. <laughs> I have an idea. No, she doesn't pull out her earplugs. She asks me questions with her earplugs in, and I answer her, and then she's like, What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, um, now that you're quarantining at your own place, like, is your place right now, because you have kids as well, is it is it sectioned in such a way that you can be like, okay, you go to your wing, I'll go to my wing, we'll, we'll, we'll convene back in the kitchen in two-hour stat? We were very lucky that we happened to, on a whim, after 15 years of looking, buy a house in Connecticut in February. Oh, that's right. Um, <gasps> so wow. we moved into it with and it's half furnished um but we moved into it in the first week of april after we had been quarantined in brooklyn for a month and we were wow. gonna kill each other in brooklyn we were <laughs> wow so we moved here <laughs> but it's an old refurbished barn and we can hear <gasps> oh, everything that's wonderful. there's no subflooring that's what we learned when we moved here <laughs> <laughs> after you Whoa. moved that wasn't part of the inspection um, so i mean it's wonderful but like we can hear 
Every, everyone can hear everything. So earplugs mm-hmm. and those amazing white noise machines that blow the air, that go like whoosh. They, those are they, marriage savers from what I yeah. hear. Oh, yeah. oh, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> uh, Bobby, I want to ask you, we mentioned uh, some of the awards uh, already. You have a very interesting uh, distinction, which you're not just the winner of an EGOT, you're a double EGOT. You have won two each, at least, of Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Uh, so you probably are the best expert I can ask this. How do the award shows compare? Which which, which is the most fun? <laughs> which was uh, the most memorable? All of them say all of them. Oh, they're, they're all great. <laughs> It's all great. But it's we know it's lies. We know there's one better. There, there must be one with stronger drinks. There's got to be one, yeah. The, the Golden Globes is the best award show you can go to because <laughs> even though we've never won one of those. We've never, we've been up for Wait, three, really? yeah. but we've never won it. But Rachel has won one, so can you can you back up? That is, is that the funnest award show you've been to, Rachel? Yeah, I can, I can only compare it to the Emmys. Wait, how have you not won a Golden Globe? Well, we lost to Bono. Um, for Let It Go. That, that's why. Yeah. That happened, we lost, yeah. And then we lost yeah. to Elton John this year. Now that's why, too. Yeah. Um, and we lost to Benjamin Justin. And we lost to Benjamin Justin. So we've lost to amazing, inspirational greats. Like, mm-hmm. we, it's never <laughs> it's never been like, oh, man. It's been like, we lost to Bono. I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Kristen, I was interested in reading that you actually started out as a performer and then later on transitioned to, to songwriting. How did, you, how did you get into it? And do, do you still perform or do you miss performing if you don't? Uh, the very short answer is that I think I should have always been a writer, but when you're a female, they kind of say, you love theater, you're an actress. Mm. And it took me a really mm. long time to deprogram that. So even when I was an actress, I was always rewriting the lyrics backstage and making mm. parodies. Um, and I played every nun in New Hampshire. Every nun that has ever <laughs> been played in a regional theater in New Hampshire. Nonsense one, nonsense two, Maria, all of them. Um, and found my way to writing. And the first time I wrote my first original song, it was like, the skies opened. Mm. And I was like, yes! Rachel, I saw you nodding during that. That's an experience you can relate to. I think that a lot of writers in general start as, as actors, but I think especially is true for women because you're, you are, even if it's on a subconscious level, way more encouraged to go into acting. I mean, for for me, I, I still obviously love doing both, but the, I really relate to rewriting stuff in in your head as you're mm-hmm. doing musical theater because, you know, uh, there's a lot to punch up in musical theater. It, it, it gets boring. <laughs> like, after doing, like, the first eight shows, then I would get really bored, and mm. I would start rewriting things. Mm. Which, what if Annie didn't get her gun? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was going to say that um, one of the other reasons that I think women tend to stay away from writing or not find it until a little later is that Bobby wrote songs in high school so girls would pay attention to him. Mm. And mm. when girls sit down at the piano, boys don't come flocking over like, ooh. I do. You play uh, Billy Joel? I definitely do, but uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm an odd boy. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I can, tell, yeah. I can tell you for a fact that that's the same holds true for stand-up comedians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, the, boy, the boys write jokes and the girls flock over and the girls write jokes and the boys are like, uh, Oh, she's scary. I, she's going to write about oh, me. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Well, in Helen's case, they're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about Frozen. Um, what I'm so amazed when I when I listen to that, and when I rewatch the movie a bunch, is that every song works so well. Uh, they, they work well on their own as songs, and they work so well in the story. Um, how many songs would you say that you had to write to to whittle it down to the ones that ended up in the in the film? The first time around, we were figuring out how to do it, mm-hmm. and so and we all were as a team, and we wrote 25 songs, and seven and a half got in the movie. Wow. This second time around, 
Jennifer Lee, the three of us all knew what we were getting into and knew better than to write that song that just like could or could not mm. fall on the floor. Uh, we knew to wait. So we wrote 15 songs and there are seven and a half songs in the movie. So our batting <laughs> wow. average got That's up a big improvement, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. 500. From 250. And I have to ask about Let It Go. It, it is such a, a slam dunk, solid, instant classic. Oh my God, I love classic. that song. Did you realize that when you were writing it, I think we got something here. I think this is going to be something special. Yeah, I always thought that like when we, when we that day that we wrote it, I, I, I was like, you know Marina Menunos who does the whole like spiel before the movie theater if you get there early? Like she's going to say, and that was Let It Go. I thought it would be in the pre-show. I thought it would be a Maria Menounos thing. <laughs> I, I go through for weeks at a time sometimes where I hear it all the time, yet I don't get sick of it. I have to ask you as the songwriter, does it ever get stuck in your head? Um, not anymore. Mm-hmm. No, it's, a weird thing happened with Let It Go because we, you know, we created it and I remember that day really having so much fun belting it, like belting my face off for the demo because mm-hmm. we, we do demos of everything and then hand them to the actors. You're like, um, I guess Adina Menzel can do this. <laughs> <laughs> she actually, once we got in the studio, she raised it a half step. She oh, was wow. like, oh, um, she okay. made it that much higher. Okay, Adina. <laughs> <laughs> a weird thing happens when you have to like give away a song and there are some songs mm. that still really belong to us like Aww. you know like your your child that can't leave home yet mm. um, the, the failed Aww. songs but the songs that like take off and become a, a global thing they they really feel like they don't they're not mine anymore mm. like uh, they belong to other people now and so we don't sing them that much like nobody mm. sings them but we used to and our girls, used to sing them like crazy before the movie came out. Wow. And went as Anna wow. and Elsa for Halloween, the oh. Halloween before the movie came out. And everyone was like, who are you? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, hope they, I hope they said, you'll see. You'll wow. see. <laughs> so when you started the original Frozen and you and there was like like just even barely concept art, did the did Elsa look different? Oh, like yeah. did, oh, the, yeah. did the main characters look completely right. different? Elsa was blue with short spiky <gasps> hair. What? She was totally evil. She was I could she see froze that. on his heart on purpose. Yeah. She was she was totally campy and you know, we wrote her like this Avril Lavigne kind of yeah, like, I want you to be cool with me. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's oh. so that, cool. That's nice, wow. though. That's nice, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of this great behind-the-scenes uh, info that we're getting, you actually are participating in a docu-series or have participated in a docu-series that's coming out on Disney+. Plus. Uh, tell us about what that's going to be and what people are going to you're going to see that we ate and drank our feelings through the writing of Frozen 2. <laughs> I wish I could take all this footage and just say, like, just have, like, Kristen will go on a protein diet after the story <laughs> is broken on Frozen 2. Um, that's that's how I see it. But what you are actually, the, the really valuable content you're going to see is how collaborative it is, how... Um, how much the animators and all of the incredible artists at Disney Studios really inspire all of it. Like a couple people get credit for what thousands of people are doing and thousands of like the lighting and the animator who's doing like Elsa's dress. Um, It's extraordinary artists just like, and you get to go inside Disney animation where no camera has ever been allowed really for this this close of a look at how you make a movie. And, and this what's is the docu series pretty... called? It's called Into the Unknown. Ooh, right? I can't yeah. wait to watch that. And then last thing I want to talk about a, a project that you're working on now. Tell us about that and when we might be able to see it. 
there's a beautiful novel by Jen... Jen Wang. Jen Wang, called Prince and the Dressmaker. Um, it's a graphic novel. And it's a graphic novel. It's about um, a wonderful woman who's an artist and, a, and has a voice, but maybe because of the color of her skin or, or you know, her lot in life, she's never given an opportunity. She's just a seamstress. She's just a seamstress. And then there's a prince who maybe wants to dress like a princess, who sees her talent, Ooh. and... Their journey together, how two people wow. can kind of see each other and lift each other up and change the world. And where are you in the in the project? We've written like five songs. <laughs> Writing uh, songs, why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day we'll be able to get out of our houses and film it. We're collaborating with Amy Herzog, who's a brilliant playwright and, and screenwriter. Um, oh, cool. We're having, a, having a ball with And her. we're working with Mark Platt, who, who did La La Land and, and you know, is like oh, the live action. I've heard Amazing. of him. Yeah. Yeah. He co-created Ben Platt, if I'm not mistaken. co-created Ben right. Platt and yeah. Jonah Platt yeah. and the youngest Platt. <laughs> all right. Well, I could talk to you about uh, musicals and your careers uh, all night, as I'm sure Rachel could. But let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. Oh, oh, you heard no. the question that we asked of Rachel. First, we wanted to know what was one of the songs that was in the movie Frozen that did not make it into the stage version. Helen, what did Rachel say? She said it was not Frozen Heart, but it is uh, possibly Song of the Ice Time. Also known as Did It Did It Do Do Do? Yeah, da 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 da. And Kristen Robertson, did she get that right? She was thinking of the Vueli, the na 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 hey na. Now, the Vueli is actually in there and it leads into a new opening number, and we skipped Frozen Heart, which is the. Everyone's favorite Ice Harvesters song from a bunch of Ice Harvesters you'll never see again. So we couldn't afford the the frozen ice and the frozen Ice Harvesters. Plus, like, harvesting ice on stage just never looks good. That's true. <laughs> so I'm sorry, no point there, but I think but you definitely were in, the, were in the correct space. All right, next we wanted to know, uh, name one song that was not in the movie that is in the Broadway production. Helen, what did Rachel say? Rachel said the Hugo. And Hugo? Yes. Uh, Kristen and Bobby? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Right. that's a point yeah, for that's Rachel. Right. There were actually, if I if I have my count right, about a dozen songs that uh, were in the stage version and uh, not in the movie. One of which was added after the show opened. Tell us a little bit about that song and why that was uh, why that ended up in the show after. <laughs> the wonderful thing about working for Disney is that you're never done. Or for Disney theatrical, <laughs> <laughs> is, is the the show the show is always evolving in mm-hmm. each market. Um, and one of the one of the things that we really have always wanted to do is write one of those ballads where the two women are singing in harmony the same thing. We tried to do it in the first movie. We couldn't quite find that spot because they're never on the same page until the very end. There was this beautiful scene that Jennifer Lee wrote and we were hurrying and we needed to, we were like, the scene works, forget the song. And then Mm. we had it in our back pocket. And then when Frozen Broadway was going on tour, here was this song. We dropped it in so that we could finally hear these two amazing divas singing together. Wow, that's great. All right, and then finally we wanted to know from Rachel, uh, one of the two Grammy and Oscar-winning songwriters who wrote the music and lyrics for Frozen. Helen, what did Rachel say with a bonus answer as well? Rachel said Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. And was she correct? I believe so. I believe so as well. (laughs) That's an easy Uh, one. 
Excellent. We, we do have to run. I know you're, you're staying up late. Uh, last thing, Rachel, is there anything you'd like to, uh, in closing, say or ask of our experts while we have them here? Oh, I'm probably just going to Twitter message you and try to do a Zoom hang with both of you. <laughs> you know uh, it. And, yeah. and, and, my, and my husband, if you guys are down for it, because I'd that. love to hang out with you. Sure. Do you work with your husband? Does, is he... I do. I work with my husband a lot. He directed a lot on Crazy X. He was a writer on Crazy X. He and I are writing a movie together right now. Um, and we, we met doing comedy together. So oh, wow. I, that's why I'm like, oh, another collaborative couple with, especially with kids. Mm. I really like it's good for us to meet people like that. Absolutely. And talk to you. It's, it's tricky and amazing. Well, it was great for us to meet and talk to you. It was an honor and an absolute pleasure to have you. Christian yes. Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, everybody. Thank Woo-hoo! you so much. Thank you. One thing. Thank you. One thing. One more thing. What? 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 I okay, just want to tell Bobby. you guys, um, my 10-year-old son is a boy, 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 like football, soccer, been rolling in mud since he was a little kid. And Let It Go is that guy's favorite song. <laughs> like Aww, he just like he just melts and changes. He knows all the lyrics. Thank you. He like and I'm like who is his child? You know what I mean? <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. All right, Helen, what is the score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Rachel Bloom has five points and Tommy Davidson has one point with a round of questions for Tommy coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Tommy about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Rachel and Tommy will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And together we present Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. We explain the historical significance of everyday etiquette topics, then answer your questions relating to modern life. So join us weekly on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. No RSVP required. Check out Schmanners. Manner, Schmanners. Get it? Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Rachel Bloom with five points and Tommy Davidson with one point. Once again, hey. here's <laughs> once again here's Jake Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Tommy, here's a chance for you to put some more points on the board of your many interests. You told us you know a lot about black exploitation films, the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and something yeah. not from the '70s: the history of ancient Egypt. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said black exploitation films. I grew up in New York City and Washington. DC. I officially watched all my movies on 42nd Street in New York. And I, we go down there and we watch, you know, three movies for 250 all night. Wow. You know, and then take the train back uptown. So mm-hmm. I got to be an expert because those were the movies that I watched. Mm. And it was right in that time period from 71 until like around 75. There's actually some controversy about the term black exploitation. It was originally coined by a leader of the NAACP because uh, he thought that a lot of these movies were exploiting black people by showing them in negative lights. Uh, uh-huh. How do you feel about that term? I, I think he's right. But what actually happened technically, really, is that the movies actually started out as a, as a film expression coming mm-hmm. from blacks. And white writers and white producers saw that that was making money. So they started infusing their own ideas into what black was so they like for instance there'd be dialogue you know hey you a jab turkey you know i've never mm. heard a black person call another black person a jab turkey <laughs> in my whole life you know what i mean so it was their idea and so yeah. you know and and they would kind of amplify the city life and, and some of the mm-hmm. negative aspects of it you know 
And that was a, a stark contrast to movies like Sounder. Mm. Right. You know, movies that, that, that were about an array of, of right. black life as opposed to, you know, the just the, the, just the urban. Yeah. So experience. you could say, hey, stereotype. But stereotypes yeah. were built th- through the industry mm. and, 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 and a push for the commercial push of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Tommy, you also said you know a lot about the music of Earth, Wind and Fire. Uh, Earth, Wind and Fire is my favorite group uh, because I think that they're one of the groups that sing about the things that I feel are true. You know, mm. with their lyrics, they talk about human emotion. With lyrics, they talk about your destiny. Mm. You know, they talk about Boogie Wonderland. Yeah, and Boogie Wonderland, which <laughs> yeah. was their disco thing. Yeah. But when you go to the root of them and what they're about, yes. you yeah. know, Earth, Wind, and Fire is is just one of these these kind of groups that is a it's a global global type of music message yeah and i didn't mean to make light of it i, I think that's, no, what, that, fine, that's uh. what's so great about it is that they, they they could be so serious and then also just so fun ah they you know, funky, and, the, and, the funky yeah. and just beautiful and they were not only good musicians but they were dancers they, they they did choreography and all of them sang with their instruments so they do vocals mm-hmm. they do vocals along with playing yeah, which is like great. impossible sometimes to do, and they do yeah. it on and stage. And the choreography with the they would they be playing the saxophone while they were moving. Uh, yeah, just, in yeah, yeah. The bass player is singing, you yeah. know, and they're all yeah. in sync and they're doing these dances while they're playing. It's easy to be a rapper, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden you got all these dancers in the background, mm-hmm. but let those background singers be able to sing and do that, you know. And then finally, Tommy, you said you know a lot about the history of ancient Egypt. I can say that it's a hobby of mine to find out more because I think it's just amazing. All of the major religions came out of that one religious system, or let's say that's one spiritual system. All of them were the offshoot of that. And astrology, astronomy, architecture, geometry. Eyeliner. Everything we know. Everything. Eyeliner, <laughs> makeup. Yeah. Eyeliner, makeup. <laughs> yeah. All right. So to summarize, Tommy, you said you know a lot about black exploitation films, the music of Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the history of ancient Egypt. Today, we're going to quiz you about black exploitation films. All right. Uh, do you have a, what are some of your favorites of the black exploitation? Ah, uh, Shaft, mm-hmm. Cooley High, uh, Foxy Brown, Cleopatra mm-hmm. Jones, Three the Hard Way. I, I, our listeners can't see it, but but just your mentioning those films brings a big smile to your face, huh? Although it's called the black exploitation mm-hmm. period, they were black. Mo- they were movies mm-hmm. about a black experience. Mm-hmm. So they weren't just sh- pimps and this, that, and the other right. thing. There was Sounder and movies that were totally, totally from another direction, but. That's why I just love them. Excellent. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a hint for two of these five questions. Now, Rachel, do okay. listen closely because you can steal if Tommy gets any of them wrong. Uh, Rachel, how much do you know about black exploitation films? A paltry amount, I am ashamed to say. All right. Well, we'll see if uh, Tommy I've gives you a chance. I've never heard the word paltry used like that. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. That was hot. Oh. I got that. I downloaded that. Some hot, I, I, some hot paltry action. I movie. know a paltry amount about black right, exploitation. Right. Just instant usage right there. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Go ahead. All right. Here's question number one about black exploitation films for Tommy Davidson. You can't talk about black exploitation movies without talking about Richard Roundtree's portrayal of the black private dick that's a sex machine to all the chicks. Who is he? Shaft. Helen? Damn right. We can dig it. That's correct. <laughs> that, of course, was Shaft. And that cat Shaft was a bad mother. Shut your mouth. <laughs> 
I'm talking about Shaft. I could do this all night. Uh, fun fact, the movie Shaft was based on a book. The original movie had two sequels in the 1970s. The book actually had six sequels, including one called Shaft Among the Jews. <gasps> what? Wow. Which I own. No. Wow. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Question number two for Tommy. She appeared as the title characters of Friday Foster, Sheba Baby, Coffee, and half of Black Mama, White Mama. Who is this powerhouse whom the New York Times called the queen of black exploitation? Pam Greer. Helen? That's correct. That's correct. That's another point for Tommy. Fun fact, Quentin Tarantino actually had called her cinema's first female action star and cast her as Jackie Brown, a play on her starring role as Foxy Brown. She recently starred in the just-canceled ABC sitcom Bless This Mess with our former guest, Lennon Parham. All right, Tommy, you are two for two. Here's question number three. Okay. Black exploitation movies had a subgenre of horror, which kicked off with 1972's Blackula and continued with Blackenstein, Dr. Black, oh Mr. God. Hyde, a zombie movie called Sugar Hill, and what 1974 movie inspired by The Exorcist starring Carol Speed as a minister's wife who is possessed by a sex demon? Abby. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Didn't fool you there. <laughs> I used to take the subway, and the one sheet would be in the subway, and I was scared as hell. I was like 10. <laughs> I'm like, how did they scare me with a black exorcist in the, in the subway in New York? But they did. Uh, fun fact, Abby's father-in-law in the movie is played by William Marshall, who, in addition to playing Blackula, which we mentioned, also played the king of cartoons on Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> nice. The man had range. All right, you're three for three. Let's see how you do with question number four. In 1972, a movie was released about a heroic character named Mr. T. And no, not that Mr. T. Okay. And it featured a black villain with the unlikely name of Chalky, played by Paul Winfield, who earned an Oscar nomination that same year for his role in the movie Sounder. Right. The movie was not a big hit, but the soundtrack featuring songs and a score from an R&B legend was. In fact, the title track became a top 10 hit. Who wrote and performed the score and title track? Um, you do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. Give me a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? It was the only soundtrack album he ever made, but his other hit albums include Midnight Love, You're All I Need, and MPG. Marvin Gaye? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. It is Marvin Gaye. Uh, MPG, of course, are Marvin Gaye's initials. Fun fact, the movie we're talking about is called Trouble Man. Uh, Robert Hooks played Mr. T, and the movie was directed by Ivan Dixon, who played Kinchlow on the sitcom Hogan's Heroes. That's like Again, too the versatility. Much information. Lord. It's, it, it's, I think it's just enough. That was it's cool right. as hell. Tommy, you are four for four and have a chance to go five for five if you can get this question right. I think it's very tricky. But let it go. It. The song, let it go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> One of the movies that defines this genre is Melvin Van Peebles' Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Mm -hmm. As it's shown in the title, Spell Badass. Uh, it's a B A D D A S S S. Helen? That is not correct. Ah. No, I'm terribly sorry, Rachel, with a chance to steal. B-A-D-D-D-A-S-S-S. -S -S. Helen? That would be badass, and <laughs> I'm going to say that's not correct. I'm no, sorry. no, but but in the 90s, she I did She meant bedazzled. Buy... <laughs> Dang it, you just took my joke, Tommy. I was in the middle of it. 
<laughs> no, but I do own a bedazzler. You both went off uh, pretty soon. There actually are two A's at the beginning. B-A-A, one D, then an A, then five S's. Uh, I would think that would have been pronounced Ba-Das, but who am I to say? I was going to say uh, that. Yeah, fun fact. Melvin's son, Mario Van Peebles, made a movie about the making of that film called Badass. Uh, all right, still, Tommy, you did very well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster facts. Okay. Oh. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. Tommy, one of the most acclaimed <laughs> movies of the black exploitation era was 1972's Hammer. For up to three points, what was the Hammer's occupation in the movie? What was the actor who played the Hammer's professional occupation before he became an actor? And who was the star of Hammer, as well as several other black exploitation films? Okay, it was Fred Williamson. Mm-hmm. Football player. That was the character or the actor's uh, uh, occupation? That was his uh, occupation before. Okay. And in the movie? In the movie, he played a, um, a cop. Played a cop. Uh, all right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a prolific actor, writer, producer, and director who starred as the Hammer. It's Fred Williamson. No! Fred Williamson. Are you there, sir? No, I'm here, dog. What's all up, right? Fred? Tell me, my man. Listen, man, I'm a little pissed off that you spent $2.50 all day seeing my movies in New York. <laughs> What should he have been doing, the Fred? I mean, he should have paid a lot more than $2.50. <laughs> Maybe that was the exploitation part. <laughs> Look, check this out, man. I'm 82 years old, okay? Which Are means I grew 82? up in the 50s. So good, boy. the kind of blacks that I saw coming up in that days were like Stephen Fletcher, Mantan Moreland. I never mm -hmm. saw anybody grin that much in real life. I mean, you had to have a full set of teeth to grin that hard and show all those teeth. So when I got into the movie business, the characters that I were going to play was definitely going to be totally opposite of that. I was fortunate enough as a youngster, say nine in the ninth grade or 10th grade, to learn who I was, other than being tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> I, I learned who I was by watching two guys that were ahead of me in school, 10th grade, 11th grade, they were the baddest dude in school, man. If you ever looked at them wrong, they'd beat your butt for 20 minutes. But I never saw them fight anybody. I never saw them hit anybody. They just, it was the way they carried themselves. It's the way they handled themselves walking down a hallway that people got out of their way and took their books and helped them carry them to the next class. And I said, mm. okay, that, that's yeah. the way. I can yeah. do that. I got into the business to make a change, to be a hero. I got si tired of seeing characters that I don't recognize, blacks playing parts that are not as human as black people. So mm -hmm. I made sure that whatever project I got into, I had some identity in it. I had some control of it. I knew what I was going to do and I knew what I was going to say. And if they didn't like it, I wouldn't do the movie. Well, you actually had three specific rules that you announced at a press conference in the 70s. Can you tell us about your, your three My rules for three Hollywood? three rules have not changed. One, mm. you can't kill me in a movie. Two, I have to win all my fights in a movie. And three, I get the girl at the movie at the end of the movie if I want. Wow. Now, if you want. Now, understand this psychology. I knew yeah. they were not going to give yeah, me all three, it. but I gave them an out. Two were not going to change. You can't kill me, and I'm going to win my fights. I don't get the girl. That's okay. But, the girl was a bonus. But in my 45 movies that I've produced and directed and wrote, yeah. I get the girl. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, we talked earlier about how how just the term black exploitation has some controversy. You actually are one of the people who who doesn't like it. Tell us tell us your opinion about that. I don't like it because what does it mean? It doesn't explain the situation. Who's being exploited? The black actors are now making more money than they ever made before. They have a chance to show some talent. The audiences are getting thrilled seeing that when the smoke clears, the black guy is still standing. That means he won the fight. So who's being exploited? Not the audience, not the actor. So I don't get it. I never got the terminology. I never know what it meant. And uh, you've actually made several of them. Some of the ones uh, from that era specifically were uh, Black Caesar, Three the Hard Way, which I think uh, Tommy had mentioned uh, earlier. Um, we, we talked about the, the rules that you announced. You also took out an ad in Variety that uh, made quite a statement. Uh, tell us what that said. Yeah, and Variety just repeated that ad uh, in March, as a matter of fact. Oh, right. March, wow. March 25th, I took a full page ad out with me sitting uh, with a cigar, as usual. Mm -hmm. And I said, at the bottom of it, Fred Williamson is not a black actor. Fred Williamson is an actor. And what was the, what was the reaction to that? I didn't really care and didn't really know. I, oh, I did it for my own <laughs> ego, you know? Yeah. Let people that's, know. That's, that, that's that walking around strut no, uh, just in print. Because, in print you know, even though I've made so many movies, most of them are produced by me, directed by me, and in Europe. And I partake, go to Europe because I go where I'm loved, not where I pretend to love me. I go where I'm loved. I've made many, many movies in Spain and Germany and Italy and Sweden. My next three projects are Spain, Italy, and Germany. So that's where I am not black. Over there, I'm not a black actor. I'm a movie star. Uh, let's talk about your life uh, before you got into uh, show business. Uh, I'll, I'll spoil one of our questions. You were known as being a football player uh, before that, and you actually had the Hammer nickname before you uh, got into playing the Hammer. Well, I've been good at everything that I've done, okay? I went to Northwestern University. I graduated from Northwestern with an architectural engineering degree. I worked for Bechtel Steel for 10 years during the offseason when I wasn't playing football. Well, I was number two draft choice of the 49ers. So... I'm All-American. Three years in a row at Northwestern, I'm All-American as a pass receiver, as a flanker. I can catch any ball you threw. I could catch it in my teeth, in my, in my toes. <laughs> Wherever you threw it, I could catch it. Yeah. Okay? So I go to 49ers, first day in camp, they give me a red shirt. I said, what is the red shirt for? Does it mean I'm popular? That means I'm, 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 I'm special? He says, no, son, you're going to play defense. I said, what do you mean defense? Don't you know who I am? You know, at that time, my name was Speedy. So I go back to my room that night. So I thought about it. I'm six foot two. I'm 220 pounds. Why should I have to cover anybody? I go out the next day. They bring out R.C. Owens to show me up. I stand about one yard away from him. Red Hick is yelling at me, get back, Williamson. I said, shut up and hike the ball. <laughs> okay. So they hiked the ball. R.C. took one step off the line of scrimmage and I dropped forearm on his head and knocked him out. Red Hickey run over and says, damn it, Wizard, what are you doing? I said, I covered him, didn't I? He said, all right. <laughs> he said, get back so we can get some pass offense in and stop hammering my players. That's all I ah, uh, Rachel, you had a very similar experience when you auditioned for uh, the show in college, right? When you auditioned for musicals? <laughs> I mean, literally just I, no difference in the story. No <laughs> just, absolutely. Well, you obviously picked up some skills. You were a three-time pro bowler, two-time all-pro. You actually played in the very first Super Bowl, in Super Bowl one, uh, which I, which still amazes me, was not a sellout. <laughs> they did not sell out all the tickets on Super Bowl one. 
one. What was that experience like being the, being in the first Super Bowl and not having it be a sellout? I didn't really care if nobody came. Oh, yeah. I had a job to do. Pack out mm. somebody, beat up somebody, and win a football game. Mm. But it didn't really matter, you know, because when I played, if there was 20,000 people in the stadium, there was everybody cheered for me. There was 10,000 that booed and 10,000 that cheered. I got 20,000 mm. people looking at me, so I didn't really care how many people were there. I had a job to do, and that was to keep people from catching the pass on me and, and looking stupid. And that was my goal, and that's what I did. Wow. wow. Uh, you transitioned to acting uh, shortly uh, after you uh, left the NFL. Uh, some of your early gigs, you were, first of all, were on an episode of the original Star Trek. What? Which I know will appeal very much to Helen. But like I said, I was, a, I was an architecture engineer for Bechtel Steel. So when I stopped playing football and retired, sitting behind a desk nine to five did not fit my personality nor my character full time. I could do it part time, but I couldn't do it full time. So one night I'm watching television and I was looking at Julia, Diane Carroll. At a show called uh -huh. And I noticed that each week the guest star was a new boyfriend. And I said to myself, I'm better looking than any of those guys. I'm going <laughs> to Hollywood and become Diane Kill's boyfriend. So I did. I did. I drove my wow. Jaguar XKE yep. to the gate of the 20th Century Fox because I got the name of the producer from watching the show. I drive up to the gate. They said, you have a driver and you can't come in. I said, no, I don't have a pass. I just want to see somebody here. You can't come in. I said, fine, okay. I drove around the block, went on the phone, called back to the gate. Said, "This is Mr. Hal Cantor's office. We expecting Mr. Williamson. We let him in, please." Yeah. <laughs> and back around to the gate. Oh yeah, we're expecting you. Uh, he's in Bungalow 24. So for about 15 minutes, we talked football. He was excited to meet me, and we talked football. <gasps> and he said, "Wow." Finally, he said, "Why are you here?" I said, "I've been watching your show. You have a new boyfriend with Diane Carroll." I said, "That makes a, a very, a very bad." person. I had, I didn't say bad. I just was, I used another word. <laughs> yeah. And he said, have you acted before? I said, what are you talking about? I've acted before. I did 10, 10 years of Raisin in the Sun, eight years with Tom and Jones <laughs> in Canada. Uh -huh. I took him to Canada because I know he didn't know nothing about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me of when I had a girlfriend in Canada in uh, junior high. <laughs> but if I'd have said New York, he'd have been asking me all kinds of questions. Do you know this person, that person? That never would have worked. He said, okay, we'll do a show for you. And the show was called Dancer in the Dark. I did one show mm. and they signed me to a three-year contract. I was a boyfriend for three years. Wow. wow. Unbelievable. And again, Rachel, exactly the same experience breaking into Hollywood for you. Same. <laughs> Just again, same, same thing. It's like looking into a mirror. But I've been I've been lucky all my life, man. I mean, I did it at a twin search at Fox. One night I'm one day I'm in the commissary, guy walks by and says, You're the hammer, right? I says, Yeah. He says, I'm doing a movie. I got a football scene in it. I don't know anything about football. Would you direct all the football stuff? and play in it. I said, sure. The movie was MASH. I was Spear Chucker. And that was Robert Altman. It was Robert Altman who said that. Robert Altman let you direct your, your own scenes in MASH. Oh my God. I called the whole show. It was my, I, I directed all the football sequences. That was my first wow. directing job. Wow. Success is about attitude. So if you, if you, as you gain and, and accomplish things, you gain power. Power is the key word to su su survive in this society. Now I have the power to make people money. And at the same time, I can make me money. That's my, that's my motto, and that's how I play the game. Well, you're not making us money here, but you certainly are making us very, very happy. I, I could keep talking and hearing all these stories you for, got my for, bill for the yet. night, but... To yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Tommy. We were asking him about the movie Hammer. First, we wanted to know in the movie Hammer, what was the Hammer's occupation? Helen, what did Tommy say? Tommy said cop. And Mr. Williamson? Cop. No way, man. What are you... 
I thought you watched the movies, man. Come on. I was a dock worker, man. When the guy started muscling in on me, I had to beat him up in the warehouse. Remember? No. Ah, <laughs> dude. And and Tommy, what's it like to be yelled at by by? Because Hammer? he can't reach me, and I can't reach him. You know? I I love it. I I absolutely love it. No point there for Tommy. All right, next we wanted to know what was the actor who played the Hammer's professional occupation before he became an actor? Helen, what did Tommy say? Tommy said football player. And Mr. Williamson? Football player. Football player, you got the point there. We also would have accepted architect and engineer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and finally, we wanted to know who was the star of Hammer as well as several other wonderful films from that era and beyond. Helen, what did Tommy say? Tommy said Fred Williamson. And sir? Yes, sir, boss. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's a point there. Tommy, is there something you'd like to ask of uh, Fred Williamson while we have him here? When you when you went to San Francisco, did you play with Gene Washington? No, Gene was after me because I didn't stay there but one year because Al Davis for the Raiders heard I was over there and he called me and says, why don't you come over here and play with us? And I said, why? Why should I come there and play? He said, well, how much you making there? You understand this? I said I was number two draft choice. My signing bonus was 1900 and my starting salary was 9,005. Al Davis said, we'll wow. give you $500 if you come across the bay. I said, make 10,000? He said, yeah. I got on my little bicycle and I zipped over across the Bay Bridge. <laughs> now I'm making 10,000. That was how it was back in the day. I, that was uh -huh. 1960, yeah. I was a rookie. Uh -huh. Excellent, well thank you again so much for joining us. Fred Williamson, everybody. I'm in, see you. All um, right, Helen, what is the score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Rachel Bloom has five points and Tommy Davidson has six points. Uh-oh. All, right, All right, now it's time okay. for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with this true or false. crushes me. I will start with Rachel and alternate between each cast. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Rachel, bees are insects. True. Correct. Tommy, bees have three wings. False. Correct. Yes, they have four. It'd be a little hard to fly with an odd number. Rachel, there was a movie released in 1978 about bees wreaking havoc on the United States. False. Incorrect. No, there actually was. In fact, there were two movies released in 1978 about that topic. Uh, Tommy, one of those movies starred Michael Caine. True. Correct. Yeah, of course it did. Rachel, in that movie, <laughs> the bees are finally destroyed by poisoning them. False. Correct. Tommy, the bees are finally destroyed by drowning them. True. Incorrect. No, Rachel, the bees are finally destroyed by luring them with a helicopter to an area of the sea doused with oil, then shooting missiles at the oil to set them on fire. True. I knew that. Correct. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Tommy, the movie received an Oscar nomination. True. Correct. Yes, it really did. Rachel, that nomination was for best screenplay. False. Correct. Yeah, you hear that whole thing about the helicopter? Uh, Tommy, the American Bee Association considered taking legal action against the film's producers for defaming the American honeybee. True. Correct. And finally, Rachel, Michael Caine played the defamatory honeybee. True? Uh, no, he didn't. No, that's no. okay. We're not going to count. We're oh, not going to count that one anyway. I was like, uh, wait, you keep bringing up Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine is very versatile, but I don't think he played a honeybee in 1978. You know, I don't know. You don't know. It's okay. We're not going to count that last one. I'm going to thank Tommy and Rachel as Helen tablets the final score. By the way, that movie was called The Swarm, and the Oscar nomination it received was for Best Costume Design. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score of today's game? I am. At the end of the game, Rachel Bloom has nine points, and Tommy Davidson has 11 points. Got it. Woo! Congratulations, right. Tommy Davidson. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, yeah, yeah. What will you do with your championship? 
I'm just going to be glad that you didn't ask about Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> that was a risk, I have to admit. All right, that just leaves our guest the chance to uh, offer any promotion for any upcoming products, appearances, services, or social media. Rachel, what do you have to promote, and where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram, Rachel Does Stuff, Twitter, Rachel Does Stuff, and uh, I'll have a book coming out in, I think, November, if I get this manuscript in on time. <laughs> Excellent. We'll look forward to that. And it was an absolute pleasure to host Ms. Rachel Bloom. Thank you for being here. Thank you for Uh, having me. Tommy Davidson, what about you? The promotion on my book came right on the heels of um, COVID Mm. and Kobe's death. So when I went into the media, there was a lot of attention being given to all these other things. So I'm going back out with the book to promote it. And I also have The Proud Family coming out on Disney+. Plus. And I just got a television pilot producing with Martin the Varnell Hill Show, which was a guest star two-episoder that I did with him. Mm-hmm. So it's a late-night talk show, like a Larry Sandling character. Oh. Larry Sanders, yeah. Um, on BET. Excellent. We'll look forward to that. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Tommy Davidson. Yay. Ladies and gentlemen, you are so lucky because my hosting partner is the lovely and talented Miss Helen Hong. Hi. Yes. You can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at funny Helen Hong because some other biatch named Helen Hong has my handles. She's back to being a biatch. Yeah. She wasn't for a while. She's she's the worst Helen Hong, but I'm the funny one. Excellent. You certainly are. It's wonderful to always work with Ms. Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Rachel Bloom, Tommy Davidson, Robert Lopez, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Fred Williamson. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorPod wiki.fandom.com and buy our t-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com i'm jake van stratton good night like what you hear come see us live someday it's free go to gofactorpod.com for our schedule and tickets and give us a five-star review on apple podcast like redbird 220 did he she or they said i've been a fan of this podcast since its first episode and even saw it live when the show traveled to chicago it's not uncommon to leave each episode knowing a new fact and the urge to go well actually in a conversation should that topic come up subscribe now you won't regret it thanks redbird 220 i subscribed and i don't regret it helen <laughs> Do I regret it? Hmm. Helen. Uh, I'll get back to you. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and Jake Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Craig Shemin, Anne Pryor, Amanda Davidson, Linda Williamson, Kelsey Flynn, Arthur A. Levine, Ophira Eisenberg, Jonathan Colton, Perry Gilpin, Tavia Odenak, Lauren Bernardo, Peter Krajewski, Shayna Molsky, Kevin Gadzelinski, Paul Doherty at CESD Talent, Sarah Rodenbaugh, Brandon J. Carr, Leora Saul, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedef, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go sing Disney musical songs. Woohoo! Let's Let not it go. Let, wait, no, we're going to no? get sued by Disney. They don't sue people. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned, audience supported